So without further ado, I want to introduce Lucas. Welcome, Lucas. It's so great to have you on the show, considering we talk for hours like every other day, and we're finally recording a conversation like we always say we're going to do. Uh-huh. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, it feels very formal with an introduction, but like I, I said, normally we just have conversations. We should start all of our regular conversations with an introduction at this point. Uh you know? Yeah, every time, every time I call you, I'm gonna just exactly. list off your achievements and intro- exactly. <laughs> introduce you. <laughs> exactly. I wanna today just kind of dive into a little bit of how we got exactly here, where we are right now. Um, as we're doing the first Money Mondays, what has really led to this? Um, and so, Lucas, if you don't mind trying to just maybe touch upon a few of the bigger life chapters that have kind of brought you up to this point. I know you are based in Aspen right now and you own a business and you've just recently been working on a class and you've had a history in DJing and photography and you've, you've done a lot. So we don't need to get into all of it, but maybe some, some points of the career that has kind of led you to where we are now. Yeah, of course. Um, so you know, I honestly, uh, my interest in DJing and music in general started around uh, 13. Um, from there, around 17, I was introduced to, uh, I was valet parking cars at a restaurant. And I was introduced to these guys who just seemed to have everything. And I was really fascinated by them because they didn't really seem to work, uh, but they had everything. They had like five or six different cars and, you know, all the things. So I uh, started to kind of pull on that thread a little bit with them and inquire about like what they do and how they got there. And that sort of started my relationship with money, entrepreneurship, and those types of things. Meanwhile, I was exploring DJing. Uh, I was used to break dance. Uh, I skateboarded for about 15 years um, and uh, actually used to write graffiti a ton as well until I got arrested for that. Um, So I kind of had all of these creative pursuits going on in my life and most of my family are creatives. Uh, But then I also had this like strong desire for entrepreneurship, business. And I think the beginning of it actually came from this idea that I wasn't really super impressed with what I was learning in school. Uh, In fact, that's a very polite way of putting it. Um, There was nothing there. For me, I didn't resonate with anything that was going on there, except maybe the social uh, side of things. Um, but what they were teaching really had no uh, pull for me. And what I was seeing in the real world with these business people, with an uncle of mine, uh, even with my father, uh, grandfather as well, uh, all these different people that have been approaching life differently and approaching money very differently. And so I kind of really just took to that. And I started to learn outside of the school uh, scenario. And that was teaching me much faster. And I was able to explore and experiment and see results much quicker than than anything I had been learning in school. So that's kind of how I got my start. Does that help? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cool. And then what, so the photography, I know that was a big portion of your life for uh, I, I think like a decade, it was kind of bringing you around the world and kind of leading to yeah. a lot of travels and stuff like that, right? Before Aspen was really a thing. Yeah, yeah. So when I was uh, just coming out of high school, uh, I was confused and lost. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
And one of my uncles uh, had said to me, you know, figuring out what you don't want to do is just as valuable as figuring out what you do. And you're young. You're not going to know what you want right now. I had an opportunity, uh, a friend of mine moved over, uh, was going to move over to Italy uh, where he was born and raised. And I had visited there once with him and I really loved the country, the people, the language. So I wanted to go with him. Thing is, is we'd planned it out for about a year and then he bailed. So I went by myself and speak the language or anything, but I took my uncle's advice and I thought, you know what? At the very least, I'm going to have some fun, of course, but I'll figure out what I don't want to do. That was around uh, 1819. Um, and actually, excuse me, first time in there was 18, then again in 21. Then while I was in Italy, uh, I was thinking about some of the things that I could do, uh, some of the things I might go to school for, things like that. And photography just kept coming back to me. So Long story short, I started to pursue that, eventually moved to New York City, started working for uh, some fashion photographers there and some commercial photographers. That eventually led me to San Francisco. I used to commute between San Francisco and New York City for about two years. Uh, easy commute. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun, though, because you kind of had the best of both worlds, you know? It was like every couple of weeks I was in one or the other. Um, so that was my pursuit of photography. And, and at this point, right around 24, I decided this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm putting everything in. And I went like full steam ahead. I assisted for about four to five years. Then I started to make a transition towards being, you know, my own uh, photography business. Um, and I was living in Los Angeles at that time. And then the economy tanked. This is back in 08 when this occurred. And all of the marketing budgets dried up. So that kind of uh, pushed me back to Aspen. I had lived there before. Um, and away from photography for a little while. And it was in that time that I started to question whether I actually wanted to live in the cities anymore. I lived in New York, San Francisco, and LA. And while I really loved each one of them, uh, I could see that it wasn't really the thing that I wanted for my life for the rest of my life. It was fun in, in my younger years, partying and doing all that stuff. So, and then I had Aspen to compare and, you know, it's surrounded by beauty it's in nature. Uh, it's a very small town, but here I felt something that I never felt anywhere else uh, other than Italy, which was, I felt not only at home, but I felt like I could achieve anything I wanted. I felt like I had a really solid foundation. Even though I didn't actually have a solid foundation here, it felt that way. And that feeling of uh, like everything was possible, everything was available to me. And I still have that feeling to this day here. Mm -hmm. I've lived in many other places and I've just not had that. I always felt... Um, not fully able to be myself. And so what I realized was, is that was one of the more crucial decisions I made was to stay here because from that solid foundation, everything else becomes much easier. And since I've been here and stayed here consistently, things have like different businesses that I've done um, have become easier. And it's, uh, I think it has a lot to do with that feeling of, mm -hmm. of, 
you know, being capable, you know? Yeah. And so along the journey, obviously in the different realms of art, um, between photography, music. So Lucas and I actually held a DJ residency together at Batula for a few years. Um, and that was, that was super fun because we got to play dinner music in a town that doesn't play a lot of dinner music. Um, and that's always been cool to share that with you is that side of our relationship is just the music part where we both really resonate with some of the more, I don't even know, like some of the more slower sounds or maybe not even slower, but it's just so yeah, some easier listening or more like different time period. I was like, we should be in an elevator listening to some easy listening music. Yeah. I've always described it very differently. I, I, mean, I yeah. Have, people in town have always lovingly called me, like referred to me as D DJ Dinner Time. Um, <laughs> yeah. While I played clubs and I did the late night thing, I never really uh, liked that because you had a lot of young people coming in who constantly just wanted the popular stuff. This is a tourist town, so it mm -hmm. caters to a lot of uh, tourists and, and mm -hmm. just kind of plays a lot of that music. I've always played music because I love music and I love different kinds of music. And so in the clubs and the late night stuff, um, I never really had a captive audience. Whereas when I, I started off at Casa Tua and I, I held residency there for like five years, four years or something. And that's where I really kind of came into my own because I have a captive audience. And yes, the volume is slightly lower, but that doesn't mean that you can't create a vibe. And it's just that style of music, that vibe is more me than mm -hmm. some crazy party thing or whatever. Like I can do that and it's mm -hmm. fun, but not on a regular basis. And then Batula, when they opened up, um, that was taking it to like the next level. And that was even more of a captive audience. And so the real difference there is in... 10 to 15 years of playing in the clubs, mm -hmm. uh, I maybe got, got tipped once or twice. I maybe had one or two people in that entire time say thank you to me for like the music or that they enjoyed it. The rest of the time, it was a lot of, can you play this? Can you play that? You know, whatever. Yeah. At Petula, in the first three weeks, I was getting tipped constantly, which I've never expect that but I was getting complimented four to five times a night. People were coming over and saying, thank you. You've made this night special. It's been incredible. Mm -hmm. To the point where even one night I, I didn't know who was in the room while I was playing. I was playing for like, you know, five hour set. And turns out it's Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry. And their people come over, they're like PR people and introduce themselves. And they're like, we were supposed to leave here. We were supposed to go to a show like two hours ago, but we love your music. We love this. Thank you. You know, would you consider coming out to LA? And so we kind of chatted about that a little bit, but just having people paying attention to the music and enjoying it and then sharing that with you that to me is why I always gravitated towards those environments instead yeah. of the nightclubs. 
And yeah. I was playing like fun music. It's not like turned down and in easy listening. Yeah, like, yeah. Good tunes. That's just that's just more my vibe, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think of dance. <laughs> to me, I think of certain dance music as easy listening, or some people would be like, "That's right. dance music." But I'm like, yeah, but it's easy to listen to. It's like it's feel good. It's I nice. See. It's like it's easy to listen to dance music. Right. Um, and I think. Yeah, I'm really grateful for that time, too, because it really brought into my awareness just like the importance of attention to detail in even the most subliminal ways, like how Batula's lighting was set up and how their speakers were dialed. And that's one thing I think any artist DJ can relate to is like the sound systems in places and how you can be in million dollar venues, yet the the DJ equipment they have there is 10 years old and barely works. And it's like... Right. Right. I think certain times and, and for more of the customer base in there was like the lighting, the furniture, the ambiance, all of that. Like, I think it really does have an effect on how the music we play is even received, you 100%. know, it, it like sets this whole environment up for people to feel just like a little right. more open and expressive and flowy. And, and especially in a dinner environment where you're not the focus, I think, which in clubs, the DJ is kind of the focus, you know, but in a restaurant, the dinner is the focus. Like it's, right. they're going to dinner. So right. they're not looking to kind of change a detail that they're not focused on and where it's a little bit more, it just kind of comes with the experience and people are a bit more open to hearing say, whether it sounds from Tulum or sounds from Africa or wherever the genre we were playing. It, it definitely, I love that space of being able to just kind of play Absolutely. that music that you can sit to, you can tap your foot to, you can dance to. And I mean, for a, a dinner DJ, like there was a lot of dance parties that ended dinner. So <laughs> yeah. And and to your point there, um, I can't tell you how many times people would come over, give a compliment, but then tell me that they, the whole entire table, the entire dinner party was on mushrooms or just really, really high. I mean, it's, it is Colorado after all. Yeah. So like, People would come in there for that vibe and they yeah. would be there for three, four, five hours just, and, and that was amazing because I could take them on that journey. And while a lot of, you know, a restaurant, you're not doing a typical DJ set where it's like a journey from start to finish because people are coming and going, but I would, and a lot of people would stay and a lot of people who would gravitate towards, uh, I don't know, like I'd play Pink Floyd or, or you know, uh, Led Zeppelin at, at certain times. And while they might gravitate towards that, they weren't familiar with any of the other stuff that I would play, but they would stay and they would become familiar and they would start to seek out that music. And to me, that's, that's why I've always DJed. It's connecting with people around good music and like, you know, if you're dancing, cool, but you don't always have to be on a dance floor to do that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. What's uh, what's your relationship to music right now? You know, it's funny. Um, I, <laughs> by the way, everyone, Kevin has, has asked me to make a, a DJ set here and there, and <laughs> I've been putting it off for about a year and a half. Um, I mean, since I, the beginning of this, I've been asking, I'm like, so when are you going to do a Sunday spotlight, you know, guest mix, we could do an hour long interview. I can't wait to hear your guest mix. He's like, yeah, there's only one problem. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> really resonating with music. And, <laughs> and I will say, so uh, currently I'm not resonating with music. And what that means is I, I've spent most of my life always with music going. 
and all, all, all the time I'm, I'm working on the computer i'm you know whatever doing a workout it doesn't matter there's always music playing when i was uh i started djing around 13 14 or at least getting into it and then when i hit about 22 i stopped and i didn't touch turntables i mean i was playing vinyl back then uh again until probably 33 or 34 years old and I never really thought about it because that, that's when I was pursuing photography, but the DJing uh, and just playing music in general took a complete backseat to everything, but not in a way where it felt like odd or off. It just felt normal. Then in my early thirties, when I was back in Aspen, I started playing again and I played for, I don't know, eight, nine years. And um, about two years ago um, towards right when you left Batula, Shortly after that, uh, I decided, you know, I think it might be time to be done. And so when I stepped away from that, the reason I stepped away for that for me was that I could feel that music wasn't, or at least playing music, wasn't at the forefront for me right now. And that I also recognized that the longer I stayed physically at Batula, which was an amazing place to be, it was one of the best gigs I've ever had. I didn't really want to leave in that sense. But the longer I was there, the less I was open energetically to other opportunities in life. And I had no idea what those opportunities would be, but I just knew that I needed to remove myself from that situation. And I needed to kind of like, get some of my energy back. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, two, two and a half years ago. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, since then, I've started on a completely new project and, and, and almost have that completely ready to go live. And in retrospect, I can see that I needed to remove myself from the DJ world playing the live gigs so that I could focus in and, you know, be open to some new projects. And so that's been a, a really great decision. Now, the thing is, music hasn't really come back. I will constantly be listening to music and I'm just like, you know what? I don't resonate with this. I don't resonate with this. I don't resonate with that. And that's been the story for quite some time. Um, I've thought about trying to play. Of course, I've you know gathered some music to, to record a set for, for your podcast, but like, it's just not resonating. And to me, I'm not going to force it. I'm just going to go with it. And I know, I, I mean, I'm okay with the idea that I could be away from music, playing music for another 10 years. Yeah. But I know that I'll come back with it. I mean, my turntables are sitting right over there and I look at them from time to time. I'm like, mm, nah, I'm good. You know, yeah. so I don't know. I'm just kind of going with the flow. Well, like I said, whenever you're ready to play an hour of sound meditation, sound bowls and birds chirping, we're, we're here to listen to your guest mix of nature sounds. You can just walk around Aspen with a phone and record sounds. And just, go. this is the river. This is Lucas's guest mix. So guys, what he's referring to is the only thing that I have been resonating with lately is sound bowls and <laughs> yes. frequencies yeah. so, so freg fregio frequencies or so, i don't know how to pronounce it but like literally if you walk into my place it sounds like a, a spa there's like just yeah. mellow tones yeah. and honestly 
I get a lot of work done and it's really uplifting. Your place is like a spa. You walk in, it's like yeah. good lighting. There's like nice meditation music. There's like lemon water on demand. Like as soon as you walk in, it's like white walls. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know what? I'm in this whole place of, I spent a lot of time having a lot of fun in a lot of dark places from a lot of dark places. Mm -hmm. And that was a good portion of my life. And I've kind of moved away from that. And so now, I mean, even as you can see, like, it's about letting in the light. And I'm, maybe that sounds corny, but like, it's not just letting in the light. It's like expanding it from here. And I'll be honest with you. I don't regret any of the things I did. I had a lot of fun. I'm just in a different place now, a different frequency. And it feels amazing. It's it's like some of the best feelings I've ever had in my life. So it feels good and I'm going to keep going with it, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. excites me to hear just because of the journey we've had together already of coming to new ways to relate to life and become healthier and happier along the journey and everything. So 100%. Um, which makes me very excited to bring up the next topic is what what are the projects you're working on now? And really what is, so Money Mondays is going to be kind of the theme of this Monday talk. Maybe down the line, they'll just be, who knows, tons of other topics. Because as, as me and you know, we can talk for hours on anything. Um, yeah. But in this specific kind of Monday series, um, what is it that kind of brought this to be? Um, and what in your journey has your relationship with money looked like? When did you realize that you even had a relationship with money to begin with? Um, and how did it come to be so relevant to a point where now you're actually teaching others and not re really teaching, but, you know, sharing your, your experience with others, even someone like me who has personally sure. learned techniques from you and just ways to relate to it all. Um, sure. So kind of just what was your, what led to that throughout your career as an artist, as an individual um, yeah. and what, yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, right around 17, my uh, entrepreneurship, my financial journey began. Um, I had a couple uncles and a cousin who came across this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, mind you, this is, you know, 23, 24 years ago or something. So, um, and, and there was a game with Rich Dad, Poor Dad called Cash Flow. So we started playing it. And the long and short of it is, is it teaches you the, the current state of money, the current rules around money, the differences between the way wealthy people relate to money and the way that poor people relate to money. And so I, when I found that, it was like gold. And I thought, wow, it, it really opened me up and changed my life. And that was the beginning of my pursuit for entrepreneurship. And I, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't want to work for other people. I didn't like being in school and being told what to do. And I definitely did not like regular jobs. And I had a lot of them ranging all over the place. So I recognized really or at 15 at my first job, I recognized I don't want to do this. Like I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that, uh, especially right around that age, 17, 18, 19, in looking at like colleges, university, things like that, nothing was really landing with me except rich dad, poor dad, and some of the things my uncles were teaching me. And I thought, you know what? I've got to make a choice here. 
do I go to school and go what I would consider to be the typical routes, get good grades and all that good stuff? Or do I carve my own path? When I decided to carve my own path, I did recognize that it was going to be much harder to do. And there was no path. I was literally going to be out in the jungle alone, kind of making my way through carving something, which meant that there might not be a lot of people to ask. Now, mind you, this is you know before the, the internet and cell phones and all that stuff were super prominent. I, I'm not that old, but it wasn't common to find all of your information at that source yet. So I started to do my own thing. And while I, I had some fun, I was barely making ends meet, but I didn't care. Like I, I lived in Italy. I moved there with a thousand dollars in my name and, and, you know, it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life. So much so that I went back seven years later, pretty much did the same thing. Um, but living in New York city, Los Angeles, you know, San Francisco, being a photo assistant, um, you don't know when your next job is coming in and you don't even know when you're going to get paid. Some of these photographers would take months to pay you. So I was always dealing with financial instability. Meanwhile, most of my friends, most of the people I knew either had parents floating them or, uh, you know, some sort of, or they had a really good job. And so they're always out, they're always partying and, and doing all the things. And while I could be there participating, I was never really able to contribute to any of that stuff. So this kind of bothered me. So I, I guess you could say that at that time, I was not even aware I had a relationship with money. And I guess you could say that it was not a great relationship. I was just, you know, paycheck to paycheck, trying to stretch my money as long as I could, because I could go six months without getting paid. So that went on for a very long time as a photo assistant. And then I became a photographer. It's even worse as a photographer, a young photographer. You're trying to get clients in the corporate world, uh, advertising, marketing, things like this. And I also want to point out that in the world of, of commercial and fashion photography, it's the equivalent of being a superstar DJ. The chances are really stacked against you that it's ever going to happen. But the world, the, the environment was really cool and it was fun to be a part of and you know, being on these photo shoots and traveling to Paris and you know all these cool things. But the money was not awesome. So this went on for a while. Right around 33, I had to make a choice. I was trying to promote myself on a national and international level as a commercial photographer from Aspen. Meanwhile, you've got people in New York, Tokyo, you know, Milan, uh, London, who are having lunches with the art buyers and the creative directors. And, and I'm in this little town, I'm a nobody. So it was either A, move back to the cities and really give this a go, or B, figure out something else. So I decided to stay in Aspen and um, I struggled for a while. I actually went through a massive depression for about, I don't know, a year and a half, two years because I, I felt like I had to completely give up my dream of being a fashion photographer. And it's not that I had to, I chose to do a different life. And that was really hard to let go of. I struggled with 
you know, what does that say about me? And I'm a failure and you know, all the things. When I eventually came to terms with it and I was gigging DJ, you know, gig, DJ gigging and working at a retail store at the time, um, I realized, you know what? I don't want to be a starving artist anymore. I struggled for a long time and I love photography, but if, if I have to, you know, um, live paycheck to paycheck, I, I just don't think it's worth it to me anymore. So I fully let go of that idea. And within about a month, the universe just presented me with a completely new idea for a business, a photo related business. So I got to work. I started creating that. I, I, I was working like 150 hour weeks. I don't even know how many hours there are in a week. Um, and I started creating this thing. And within six months, not only did I recoup my initial investment of 10,000, but now I was like full blown profiting. And within a year, like it was just expanding. And so I started licensing it out to other people in other cities and they started going. And it was just this amazing combination of uh, photography, of social, of being out in the event industry in the evenings, which from DJing, I was already familiar with. And that was 10 years ago that I created that. So it was pretty awesome. Um, about four or five years in, I recognized that I wasn't used to having money available to me. I was used to having like no money available to me and always making that work. And I was good at that. So now money's coming in and we're not talking about like obscene amounts, but it was a lot for me. And so I started partying and traveling. Um, I grew up when I started DJing, I used to read in magazines because the internet didn't exist about these clubs in Berlin and London. And it was my dream to go party at these places to maybe play at those places someday. So when I started having money, I would be off to parties over there. And like all my vacations were just parties and they were amazing and fun. But eventually, you know, I come back from those parties more exhausted than when I even left them. So I started the cut back there a little and I realized, and then this had been following me for about four years that I had this sneaking suspicion that I was just completely wasting and blowing my money. And this was unusual for me because at 17, I'm reading about money and finance and business and my goals were to like, uh, you know, invest in a lot of real estate properties and, and, and do that with my uncle and whatnot. So here I am just blowing this money. And I knew that I should probably look at that, but I didn't want to. I had no idea how much money I was making. I had no, much, I, no idea how much money I was spending. And I was afraid to look at that. So for four years, I just kind of swept that shit under the rug and eventually I got to a breaking point. I thought, okay, I need to look at this. I don't, I don't want to, but I really have to. And I realized, oh my God, I've spent 90, literally 99.5% of my income was gone. Each year for four years, it was just gone. And I just, I, I wanted to throw up. I couldn't, I was like ashamed and embarrassed. I thought, I have this uh, um, 
gift presented to me to have more money than most people could. And what do I decide to do with it? I decide to just waste it. And so something had to change there. I started looking at, uh, you know, budgeting. I even at one point, I tried all these different softwares and I couldn't stand them. I, I'm not a big fan of numbers, spreadsheets and stuff like that. I don't like rules and restrictions and budgeting felt very restrictive to me. So I call my mom at this point and, and this is like months in, she used to be a bookkeeper. I'm like, Hey, could we meet like once a Monday over the phone or, or maybe zoom or something and we can go through and that'll hold me accountable. Well, that was the original money Mondays. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it was on Mondays actually. Yeah. So, um, we started to do this. The problem was, and I, I mean, my mother's amazing, but she didn't grow up with computers. So I was trying to teach her how to open an email and click on a link over the phone. And if you've done that before, you, you understand how challenging that can be. Mm -hmm. So rather than talking about budgeting, we were, I was just leaving stressed. <laughs> All right, this isn't going to work for me after a couple of weeks. And, and I don't think it was working for her either. So here I am, like money's still coming in. I don't know how to budget it. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm thinking I, I've got to change something here. So I really just started examining my lifestyle, how it was working, what I was spending money on, started looking at all of this. And I knew that if I was going to be able to budget or keep any of that money, it was going to have to be suited to my needs, to my lifestyle. So I'm really diving in and looking at all that. And I start to come up with this idea, kind of a theory at that point. I started to test that out. Within about five months, I wiped out 25K in debt and I had all this money in, in like extra money in other areas of my life. I'm like, whoa, this, this thing actually works. Within a year, I had $50,000 saved, plus I wiped out that 25K in debt. So this system that I had created worked beautifully. And for me personally, the best part was that I didn't have to budget. I didn't have to sit with a spreadsheet or track numbers or do any of that. In fact, after I had done this for a year, I realized that I didn't cut back on my lifestyle and I wiped out the debt and I had savings. And now I'm like super close or much closer to my real estate investment goals. I was like, okay, this is cool. I showed it to a buddy of mine, an old business partner. And, you know, I don't know that he was open to it at that point. He didn't really utilize it for very long or, or, or you know, I'm not sure, but it kind of seemed to fizzle out. So I just kind of assumed that it just worked for me and that was it. And I was okay with that because money was, was growing. A couple of years go in, more and more money sa being saved. And uh, all of a sudden I, I realized like, wow, like I'm in a completely different place than I was a couple of years ago. And it's just because of this simple technique. So at that point we start hanging out. And you asked about my relationship to money earlier. I apologize for going off topic there, but we were on a hike one day and I, we had never, we always talked about, you know, um, energy and, and all kinds of different stuff, music, but we never really talked about business stuff ever. And I wanted to vent about some real estate 
stuff. And you were like, yeah, sure. So we go through that conversation and it was you that actually pointed out to me that I had been separating money, business, and finance from DJing, from living life, from showing up in life with uh, you know energy and all these things. And you, you helped me understand that all of it was connected and that I was the common denominator in all of that. That's when my relationship with money began. Other than that, I always thought money was this outside thing. Uh, I thought business and success and these things were outside things in the future. So that really set me on a new path. And I realized that while I'm pursuing, um, you know, uh, spiritual well-being, that I have more or I have just as much to learn in, in the realms of money than I do spiritual. As an example, they're they're the same thing. They're connected, I should say. Mm -hmm. So um, here I am. Uh, I'm using this technique. I start learning some new stuff from you. Like I'm, I'm getting feedback from you and I'm starting to like expand. And then I realize, like, dude, like, you know, let me tell you about this thing that I've been doing. I showed it to you. I showed it to my cousin uh, on a hike as well. And so I basically taught you both this simple technique and you both started, you know, using it and your money started to shift. But then we never really talked about it again, at least, you know, not very often. And I didn't know if, you know, you had been keeping up with it, if it had been working, um, you know, Jake, uh, my cousin, same thing. And then last April, um, I'm chatting with a good friend of mine who uh, was asking me about some business uh, ideas and some money stuff. And I had been searching for a new business. I had been searching for uh, a way to um, give back to people, to help people. Uh, in my current photo business, it's fun, but it's not like I'm saving lives. And I just really wanted to step into a new realm of life where I could be uh, more helpful to people. And so I've been racking my brain, trying to figure out what I could do. And at the same time, I've been taking lots of online courses uh, through Mind Valley and, and Vision Lakeiani. And to me, those have been tremendously helpful at, at expanding my knowledge. And so I really liked that idea of online teaching. I kind of thought maybe, well, maybe I'll coach, but I don't know that that's really for me. And then sitting with this friend, I started to teach her this same technique I taught you. And then it hits me. That's what I could teach. That was last April. We're in February. Um, we're coming up on one year. I've got it on the internet now. Uh, I spent the entire year writing out the course, what, what I taught you, but like much more in detail and more in depth. I filmed it. I've never been on camera in my life. That was kind of hard to do, but I practiced that. I shot all summer, um, got it edited, got it up. Uh, we're testing it right now, beta testing at the moment. And the plan is to fully launch April 15th, which will be one year from the conception date, basically. Um, so that's where we're at with this. Um, and that whole process that I share with you, it's just been this amazing journey from as far back as I can remember, 
Um, I've had, you know, all kinds of twists and turns that have taken me in all different places. I've done all kinds of different things, but the truth is my, my photo business 10 years ago and this now is essentially a culmination of all those ingredients from all over the world, from all these different people that I've met uh, and learned from, the books I've read, the classes I've taken, et cetera. And it's just kind of how everything has been pulled together, which has been pretty awesome. Yeah, and I'm smiling so big right now just listening to you say all that because as someone who has personally benefited from this technique that you're talking about, as well as just been a part of the whole journey with you along the whole way and have seen it kind of all manifesting. And it's just really cool and exciting to see where we're at at this point in time, even that we're sitting on a podcast right now talking about it um, and that it is a physical thing in reality. It's not just something that you taught me while hiking. It's like, it's developed so much more than that. And I mean, it has saved me in, in times of life, especially over the quarantine and stuff. And I've been able to test out some of these money relationship things in my own, in my own world, um, which I didn't even know was a thing in life. Like, I didn't know you could have a relationship to money. Like I just, I didn't think about it. It just never occurred to me. Um, and then the more that I started to, to dive into that. And it's funny to hear you talk about the day when we were hiking, when I'm saying like, oh, it's all connected and because I was coming from a point, like, it's not like I knew anything about money. I, <laughs> I didn't know how to save money. I didn't know anything about this. I was just coming from a more spiritual sense of like, oh, well, it's, it can't be different than anything else because it is all connected at the root source. And so yeah. it's been so unique and interesting how this has all transpired of just between us authentically sharing our truths in a relationship by authentically always sharing perspective and coming from a place of learning and curiosity and everything it's led to so much development in our lives and now actual development in say like a class or a new project or a career or something um, and that's really exciting to see you know to see some of that absolutely and, and, and as you're saying this i'm realizing i'm like connecting the dots here so so, so thank you for sharing your perspective of it which is up until that conversation, as I mentioned, I, I never really thought to combine the two. And from, for you, you were just coming from the simple idea that it's all connected. And from that, what I have, what has occurred and, and why I didn't decide to make this a class four years ago, as an example, or whatever it might have been, is that the class is this, uh, what I taught you is this really practical technique around money. And that's all it really is. It's really simple. But to me, what was missing was the relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And in these years, like, you know, you pointing that out and recognizing like, wait, while I'm over here on a spiritual journey, doing the work and, and really looking at things, if I just start applying that to money, business, success, and all that as well, everything starts to come together. And that's exactly what the class is. It's a combination of looking at how you currently relate to money, how you were raised and how you were taught to relate to money. And the truth is, is if you experience money problems and money struggles, it's not because you're dumb or you're stupid or you don't know how to make money. It's because the foundation that you have built 
your relationship to money on probably has a few things that are limiting you, standing in your way. A great example, one that I use all the time is this, this idea of money is the root of all evil. Now, chances are you've heard this phrase before. Now think about that. No matter who you are, where you're at, you have probably heard that phrase and it probably has never left you. That is powerful, not necessarily in a good way because just that thought of money is the root of all evil, it has so many limitations in it. It's rooted in lack and confinement. And if you, even if you only heard it once, but you can still remember the fact that you've heard it, that means that it's in there. And that and things like that, statements like that, have laid the foundation for our experience with money. Another simple way I put it is, imagine that you uh, were interested in dating someone and your parents, your family, your coworkers even were like, that person's the root of all evil. Are you going to have a good relationship with that human being? Like, that's going to be kind of challenging to do at that point. It's the same thing with money. And, and our conversation started to help me realize that money is, while it is this practical thing and it's this uh, made up thing in the world that we all agree upon, at the same time, there's an energy to all of it. And when you start to apply some of these, uh, let's call them spiritual lessons as an example, uh, or emotional, uh, and, and uh, you know, you start looking at your thoughts and your habits around how you relate to money, you start to see that the root cause has nothing to do with living paycheck to paycheck, being stuck in the rat race, um, you know, not having a lot of money come in. The root cause is actually something that's going on inside of you that has been with you for a very, most likely, a very long time. And as you pointed out, you didn't even know you had a relationship with money, let alone the fact that you're carrying around all of these uh, confining thoughts, habits, and emotions around money. So that's what we we look at look at there. And what I can say is that this has all come about because while my relationship with money, I, I would say even started around 14, um, I didn't really have the luxury of, of not working. So basically, as soon as I could get a job, I needed to get one. And so that's when I guess you could say my relationship started. But I always looked at it as this thing that I was trying to get. Mm -hmm. Now I understand that it's not really outside of me and that it's it's something that's going on in here. And so as you look at that, which I'm excited about the Money Monday, because we're while we might talk about some practical things, uh, the truth is, is, is I'm not here to give advice. I'm, I'm, I'm not certified for any of that, nor do I want to be, because I personally think most of what's out there is actually harming you more. It's, it's a reiteration, a repackaging of all those uh, harmful things that you're carrying around in the first place. Most of it's coming from a place of lack, suppression, confinement. I'm not interested in any of that stuff. I want to talk about freedom. I want to feel good. And, and I should point that out. 
most of my life with money, none of it felt good. And I did hide from my money, all my money problems, I should say, all the time. I procrastinated. I would always put it off. That's how I dealt with money. But that doesn't feel good. If you ever owed someone money and like, or someone owes you money, excuse me, and like they're dodging you, like that's not a good feeling. And that's what I was doing with money. Now, since I started the big split, which is what, what I call the technique, I have changed that. And that wasn't even the intention, but that's what happened. It was like a happy accident. And now I feel open and free. And now my relationship with money, first of all, I'm aware that I have one. Secondly, it's phenomenal. It's like the best girlfriend I've ever had in my life. Like everything is going. And, and when it's not going, we talk about it. We don't avoid mm -hmm. each other. We're talking about, it. we're addressing the issues. And, and through the big split, as you know, you can do that. You can change things fairly simply to reflect what's going on in your life. And you could have a financial emergency or you might just be taking a vacation or something. And as your life flows and changes, you should be able to flow and change with that. And that's mm -hmm. what this allows you to do. So to me, my relationship at this point, it's open, it's free, it feels good. We talk about things, We, me and money, we acknowledge each other all the time. I have fun with my money to the point where like, I'm even starting to give it away because why not? Mm -hmm. Because there'd be more that'll come, you know? So that's, it's, it's a kind of a cool place to be. And you talk about where you started from to where you're at. The truth is, is it's just this amazing journey. And a lot of it, not so fun, not so amazing. Hiding from my money problems for four and a half years and then coming face to face with them. I mentioned like, I was kind of depressed for a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe even longer, ashamed and embarrassed. And that's where I think, I think that's a, a, a reflection of how most of us as a society relate to money. We don't talk about it. In fact, it's not polite to talk about money as an example, but think about that. There's that idea that there's suppression and confinement around that. But the truth is, is the more you talk about it, the better relationship you have with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like talking about anything else. We kind of get the thoughts out of our head and they become a little bit more real. And we can realize that like, oh shit, I'm like coming from a place of fear. Like I didn't even realize that. Um, and I think unless we talk about things, it's hard to, to really get a bigger view because we're literally stuck in our head. Right. Um, so yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> exactly. We're talking about it. And, and the truth is, because of our conversations over the years and, and how many different kinds of conversations we have on a regular basis, but holy shit, like the amount of growth, the amount of uh, expansion that I've experienced from these conversations, you know, is incredible, not just around money. And it's because we're talking about them. And I have a feeling it's been the same for you. You know, instead of suppressing what we're feeling and instead of, you know, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about this or it's embarrassing or whatever, we just talk about it. Yeah. And as you, and I think that's the benefit of 
of these types of conversations and why I'm I'm super excited to be here with you because as we talk about these things, other people might be able to pull a nugget or two from these conversations as well. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, maybe they get inspired to start talking to some of their people about some of these things, you know? Yeah. And I think over time for me, the biggest thing has been that, especially as a DJ and artist and label owner it's just very inconsistent income it's not a consistent based income and for me what i've realized is throughout the past four years throw in a pandemic of, of craziness it's like the thing that i can't control in my life is exactly how much money is coming in when it comes in i can't control that how it comes in I can kind of have a say in that. I can kind of do my best to set that up on a level so it happens. But at the end of the day, it is the universe that for, you know, that is in control of a lot of that. And I think for me, the only constant that has remained throughout that four year is not the number in my bank account by any means. It's my relationship to that number. And it's when that number is very low, it's feeling trust in that everything is working out just how it's supposed to be. It's feeling that, oh, this is the time to get creative and start thinking, how can I, you know, maybe go about this in a different way and talking to the energy of money instead of just ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. Um, so I think that to me has really been where I found the most just life benefit in just the everyday sense of peace and happiness. I mean, yeah. I have you know, tons of dreams and goals that will require money and this and that. But I truly believe like money will show up for me when these bigger things are meant to happen. And if it's not there making it happen, then it's not the time. And obviously we want everything on our timeline in life, but that's not how it works. Um, and so, yeah, to have that kind of that chill relationship with money where you can really, I do view money as a homie at this point in my life. And it's so cool that I think of money as a homie. And for me, that term just aligns because it's no different than my homies in life. Like I, I chat to it. I acknowledge it when it comes in. I acknowledge it when it comes out. If there's any opportunity to give it, I'm more than willing to do that because I, I believe in this cycle of energy that it will come back in greater terms than, than when, than how much I got rid of, you know, it'll come back bigger. So yeah. I think that to me has been the most beneficial part of this whole process and just diving in to this whole realm of life, just as friends throughout the years. Um, that's definitely been for me, a cool thing that as more comes in or as there's times where it's really in the spending mode or the investing mode or whatever it may be, yeah. It's that relationship that will remain constant of in trust of in, you know, it's like any friend. We don't, you just think about a good relationship with any friend and apply that to, to money. Are you like scared to let go of money? Like any friend you're scared to let go of at the end of hanging out, it's kind of a scary friend. It's like, dog, I want to go eat dinner by myself. Like I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to like right. cling yeah. on to your best right. friends. Like that's right. weird. And you don't have exactly. to like cry when you say bye to them at the end of the day. Like, oh my God, I'll see you. Exactly. <laughs> like, or uh, if you're having problems and, you know, you're just trying like, you know, you're dating someone as an example and you're having issues 
Like what's going to happen if you just ignore those issues, you just keep sweeping them under the rug or you ignore the other person or you don't show up for the relationship. You don't participate in it. You're not putting anything into it. Maybe that person is really kind and really giving, but here you are just taking and taking and taking. And it's the same thing as how we relate to human beings. 100%. And I like that word participate because I think I was also living in this false reality of, I I really believed I was participating with my money by getting it, depositing it and spending it. Like to me, that was the relationship of money. You get it. It funds your shit, whether it's travels, whether it's this, whether it's that. And then you just keep figuring it the fuck out as life moves on. Like Like if you think about it, let's let's say that you did that to a friend. You would be a user. You would be using that other person for your own benefit. For sure. And never giving back. And so money is the same thing. And, And when you really start to understand this, that it is this give and take. And as you pointed out earlier, yeah, there are absolutely going to be times where money is taking from you and you're not, your accounts are going to be low. And, and it, there is this, this idea of, or this game of faith and trust. And there are things that you can be doing to make sure that you are, uh, what I would say, in alignment with with the money. Like, for instance, um, you know, not just taking and taking and taking for yourself, but Sometimes, like you pointed out, the universe doesn't work as quick as we want it. I mean, it never works as quick as we want because we're used to having everything immediately. So when you can sit and be patient and know like, you know what, when I have money, I'm I'm contributing in the ways that I can. I'm sharing in the ways that I can. I'm also making sure that I'm taken care of. Uh, and then when I don't have money, you know, I do the best that I can while it's that way. And I don't, you know, for me personally, when I don't have money coming in, I take that as a message saying, okay, are there any things that that I'm out of alignment with? Can I be changing my relationship with money? Can I do anything? And then from there, is there anything that I can be doing to, you know, to start bringing more in? And I'm looking at it in that way, but I'm not fully attached to the outcome or the timing. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not gonna break my back trying to do all these things to to get it to come in because that feels like I'm forcing it. And that's not how it works. You can't force any of that. It's more about, you know, I think I mentioned to you once before, like from a, like we're talking about some of these like more spiritual things here, but on a practical level, what I have always done is I'm a very practical person is I see money as there's long-term money and then there's short-term money. And I have projects like this class that I I'm putting up. It could be a couple of years before it results in any money. And I'm okay with that because I, it's a long-term play. Um, if I make an investment uh, with a piece of property, as an example, that's a long-term thing. But I'm also aware that I've got to live. And so I also have to look into my immediate surroundings and see what is it that I can do on a regular, consistent basis to make sure that my needs are met and whatnot. And so 
to me, and there might even be a midterm play in there as well, but when you have several of these things running parallel, you know, you have your short term coming in and your needs are net, met, excuse me, your needs are met, but then you have the long term thing as well. And maybe that ship comes in, maybe it doesn't come in, or maybe it comes in 30 years from now, who knows? Mm -hmm. But having a variety, because think about, think about your friend group. Do you have, you know, all long-term friends, all short-term friends? No, you have a mix of everything. And then you have acquaintances and then you have associates and then you have, but all of these people are important to in some shape or form in your life. And so recognizing that and, and being cool with that and knowing like, okay, you know, this particular friend, that's, that's someone I can lean on when I need to. And this particular friend, that's someone I know I can have fun with when I go out with, you know, or, or whatever it might be. Money's really no different, you know? So I guess, you know, what I would say, and, and I didn't think we'd even go this deep into this today, but think about the idea that you relate to money and then think about how you relate to money. What does that look like for you? Are you showing up as a good friend? Or are you putting in time and effort into that relationship? Or as you said, I, I kind of did, um, we were, were similar, but different in the sense that I was good at bringing money in, but once it came in, I didn't want to let it go ever. And what I didn't realize was, is that I was blocking that flow. So I was, I'm what I would call a saver and I could save and save and save. And, and I could see most people couldn't. But what I couldn't see was that I wasn't sharing. I wasn't doing anything with it other than investments that would help me. And when I really started to see that, that's also when, you know, I shifted and and in starting to explore and experiment with that realm. And it feels pretty amazing to be perfectly honest with you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And as just as like a saver to money, like in that category, you know, and I'd say I'm, I'm more of a spender and almost more of like someone who for a lot of years, it was almost like avoidance spending. It was like ignorant spending where it was like, cool. Like, I don't know if it's here, like, let's do this. Like I could die tomorrow type of thing. Like, right. you know, which I still believe to some extent. And I think that's, what's led me to on my own journey of money and, and, you know, dealing with the sustainability of life and living for today while planning for tomorrow. It's like, I think that balance in that realm really comes into play with money. And that's one of the things that, you know, we think about. So I think as you suggested, it, it could be cool or fun to just think about how you relate to money. Is that so Lucas, you, for example, you're more of like what you described as a saver. And that's someone who would what, like save and be scared to let go of their money pretty much once yeah. it comes in. 100%. I mean, the, the way that I had it, and this this did come from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I think maybe I took it to an extreme, which was, he talks about once a dollar comes in, think of it as your employee and, and get it working for you and never let it go. I kind of attached to the never let it go part. And I don't know that his <laughs> emphasis was there. His emphasis was get it working for you, you know, as you're an employee. So yeah, I would describe myself as like the money would come in and I had the hardest time. Like if we were at dinner with people, I would be like, could I get the bill? And like, we'd split it down the center, you know, or, or like you had this and that, you know, I was one of those people. 
And, um, you know, if we went on a trip or whatever, I had to make sure, you know, like if I forward fronted the money on something, like I need to make sure I get it all back, <laughs> you know, all those things. I never thought about the idea of like, just buy your friend dinner, you know, <laughs> like that didn't even occur to me because, and I think that had more to do with how it's not that my family like ingrained this into me, but it's what I perceived growing up. And, you know, um, we didn't in, 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 in one family, my, my parents were divorced. So my dad's side of the family uh, or my dad, you know, money was never really an issue on my mom's situation. It was. And so I had this feeling of growing up, seeing all the people around me with money and like you're turning 15 or 16 and you, your parents buy you a car and all those things were happening and that wasn't happening for me. So of course there was comparison so I had this idea of, I wasn't raised with money. I don't have money. I've got to get it and I've got to keep it. And I really never thought more past than, than that. I never thought further than I uh, than that, I should say. And so, yeah, it was just bring it to me and I'll, I'll hold on to it. I'll keep it mm -hmm. as opposed to your situation. You know, you're saying you 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 get it and you're like, Let's get rid of this. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll get it and I'll literally see like some street performer and I'm like I'm going to give it all to someone because they deserve. I'm like this is art. This is where money should go, but then I'm the one stuck like, "Oh, I'm still in credit debt and like that person's actually like probably better off financially than me at the moment. They made a ton more money today than I <laughs> But I never so regretted it and it's like so I think what I would like to ask you is once someone can identify maybe how they relate to money, what's next? Because isn't wouldn't maybe some guilt come with that? Wouldn't shame come come with that? Hundred percent. So that's a beautiful question, by the way. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Was there? No, was there no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> um, so because we're going to be doing Monday Mondays, and this is what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about our emotional relationship with money, our thoughts, our feelings, our habits. We're going to have a little time to unpack this, and it's going to take time. So what I would say is all you have to do right now is ask yourself, how do I relate to money? And just notice. That's it. That's all you have to do is start noticing. Now, you've never thought about money. Most likely, you've never thought about the relationship that you're in with money, which means it's not going to be easy to remember to ask yourself, how am I relating to money? So you might have to just remind yourself, set a little alert in your phone, write it somewhere, you know, on your mirror in the morning. So like each morning, you're like, oh yeah, how do I relate to money? And what I mean by that is, and we both learned this from Ken Honda uh, in his class, he's amazing, is when you find yourself at the gas station next time and you're, you know, pumping gas and you're watching that ticker go up and, and you recognize that that's costing you money. Are you thinking about, uh, notice what you're thinking. Is it something along the lines of, as that number goes up, my account goes down and I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. I don't want to, I don't want to spend this. The gas prices are ridiculous. And like, you could go down that whole rabbit hole. 
Or are you thinking something along the lines of, wow, it's amazing that I have a job, that I have money to pay for the gas, that I have a car that I actually can go from A to B really, really easily, and I actually get to pay for this gas or somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. The truth is, is we all have different ways of relating to money. And, and if you just do a quick Google search, different ways of relating to money, you can see all the most common ways. Most of them have a negative connotation to them. Most of them are rooted in lack. I need more. I need to get it. I don't have it. And so most of those are going to result in lack. Whereas on the flip side, if you uh, come from a place of abundance, like your situation as an example, like it's hard for me to fathom, or it was the way I used to be, how I could just give away my money to people. But now I can see that. But the next thought that comes in for me is, okay, I, I can give this to someone for sure. I do want to make sure that I have food on my plate before I give it to them though. And so to me, there's this balance and that's the point of for right now, just asking yourself, how do I relate to money? That's it. That's all you have to do is notice it because you've never noticed it before mm -hmm. and spend a week or two just thinking or more, just seeing how you show up in your relationship. Are you a taker? Are you a giver? Are you a, um, you know, it's burning a hole in my pocket. I've got to get rid of it as fast as I can to anybody for any reason. Like, are you, um, you know, like I, I was a procrastinator and like mm -hmm. pretend, you know, like there's so many different ways to relate. Some people think I'm not smart enough to have money. I'm not smart enough to get money. So that is going to keep you confined mm -hmm. in that realm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And for me, I think it definitely, it came down to a distrust was the biggest thing in my relationship. Um, once I, again, we mentioned Ken Honda. He's um, just like a legend who teaches a money class on Mind Valley, which is a beautiful website of tons of cool classes. Um, but anyways, he teaches this whole kind of topic of the energy of money and stuff. And there's actually a meditation um, that he guided and in this meditation, I actually got to kind of like meet the energy of money. Um, I remember that one, yeah. And yeah, it brought me to tears. Um, and it definitely was, it was almost the, the biggest thing was just that I realized in that moment, it, it always did end up showing up. And I never gave it credit, I feel like. Like I always thought, where are you? when I need you, like, why isn't there more of you? Um, how can I get more of you? And then when I do get more of you, it's like, I want to just spend you here, 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 and here. And then all of a sudden I'm back in this, how do I get more of you? And then mm -hmm. it's the, why do I even need you in life? Like, this is a dumb thing. Like I shouldn't even need to think about. And in all of this time of pretty much like, it's just, I just wasn't trusting that it was actually working for me and not against me, this energy. I, I really like I broke down once I realized this and I apologized and I was like, oh my God, to the energy of money. Like, I'm so sorry. 
And it really was a moving experience for me to realize like, wait, in all of these years of me distrusting you, of me never even saying thank you, like I would get you, I'd, I'd be grateful that I could pay my rent, that I could pay, you know, my food, that I could buy this plane ticket. But it wasn't almost like an intentional gratitude. It was like, cool, this life is continuing. Like right. it was just a continuing of anything. And there was always this almost doubt of like, you're not there for me as I would like you to be. Yeah. And then when I really think about it and I look back in, in all the years that I didn't at all prioritize it or have a healthy relationship with it or anything, it still showed up for me. Like it's still, and I, and I'm very, very blessed with the life I've lived and having people around me who are very supportive and very, and I think life circumstances very different for everyone. Um, yet I can say that no matter what it has come through enough to keep me on my feet in times where I, I really didn't think it was possible to keep moving forward. Um, and it has always showed up in crazy ways. And we can get more into the, those ways and maybe later episodes in some actual ways that it's happened. Yeah. Um, but that to me was just profound. It was that whole meditation of meeting this actual friend that's been my friend my whole life, but I just didn't know I was friends with it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like, it's in my corner. Like that's what it, it was really came down to. It's like, oh, this is a homie that's in my corner and it's there for me. And when it's not there for me, it's because that idea that I have would be a waste of time. And if it was there for me, then I'd spend so much energy in the forms of my time, my maybe my focus, also money, money all in order to figure out that like, ooh, this wasn't maybe the best project to be investing in. It's like, now I'm at this point where I really trust when it's like, oh, if it comes in big amounts at this point in time and I have these investment ideas or business ideas that I can act upon those in a, in, in a trustful way of like, it will continue to show up as long as I stay aligned and authentic to my path. And I think Another thing to mention about the whole Ken Honda thing is he really talks about this idea of like how the main difference and he's been, I, I'm going to just title him a money guru because to me, that's like what he is. Um, sure. But he's had so many clients and a, a big point that he makes is the main difference between people of the East and people of the West is that this like this kind of more ancient philosophy is people are saying or in the, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll start with the new, the new, the new age philosophy, like in, you know, America, the new world, it's how can I make more money? And yeah. I wanted to touch on that because by us talking about relationship with money and all of this stuff, like, we're not, we're not saying like, this is the way to make more money, you know? Right. What Ken Honda points to is that his clients from the West talk about how can I make more money? They approach him with this mindset, his clients mm -hmm. from the East, from maybe more ancient cultures, they ask him, how can I be more grateful with the money that I do have? Yeah. And it's just, it's just a different mindset. It doesn't change the game. It's literally just a different mindset. The playing board is still the same. It's yeah. just the mindset set that has shifted. And that I think is such a big thing to mention at this point in the, in the game, because again, it's like, we're not trying to change what that looks like in anyone's life or even our own life. Because as I mentioned before, as an artist, as a DJ, like I can't even control that unless I were to go get a real job that pays me a paycheck at this time every Friday. Like I really can't control some aspects of my financial life. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more about 
how can I be more grateful with what I have right now? How can yeah. I be more grateful with this friend called money? Like, I'm grateful to have you as a friend. Like, I'm grateful to have, you know, all my other friends. It's like, same thing. How can I just be more grateful with that? Because at the end of the day, that is what adds to more peace and happiness for my everyday life. You right. know, thinking about the big well, projects and all that might be the, different. But. The difference in mindset is massive. While the external factors don't change, money doesn't change, your relationship to money absolutely changes. And so when you're coming from the, the thought process of how can I get more, basically what you're saying is multiple things. You're saying, I don't have it. Uh, you're also saying, I'm not appreciative for it. And you're constantly living in this future space, which just doesn't even exist instead of being present. Whereas the other perception of money is you're present, you're aware, you're grateful, you have it. If more comes in, awesome, but you're not even worried about that. So you're not coming, you know, one, the, the first one is coming from a place of lack, while the other one is coming from a place of abundance. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to that is, is you know, in my experience, and, and, and actually if we relate it back to the relationship, if you're dating someone and you're just not only never grateful for them, you're never appreciative to them, and they're always there for you, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways, but even when they are there for you, you're still not really contributing to them. That's, like you're just taking and taking it's and a, taking. It's a recipe for resentment. Exactly. And so no wonder why we have the relationship with money that we do, because there's resentment there. There's not an understanding of, of an even flow of energy and money. And on top of that, there's this, uh, it's like this victim mentality of, I should have, I could have, I should have, because we're comparing to others and, and all the things, you know, that's a whole different discussion. Mm -hmm. So to me, what's, what's funny about the, the big split, um, you know, when I, came up with this idea for myself. I, I, I wasn't thinking it would be a class or I was just trying to figure out a way to keep more of my money and make my money last longer. But then all of these, what I call happy accidents started to occur over, it's been five years since I started it, um, that have shown me these types of things. And it's like, whoa, okay. Like now, now that I'm shifting the flow of my money, like from a practical standpoint, that's changing. What's also changing is what's going on inside of me. It's a reflection. And it's kind of like, as my accounts start to grow and more becomes available to me, money is teaching me these lessons as if I was dating someone who is a giver <laughs> and I don't know how to be. And now they're showing me how yeah. to be in a nice, it's like, slow it's like, it's like actual wisdom being shared in a relationship, except exactly. this, this relationship doesn't have to do with a human. It's exactly. An energy. Yeah. And, and, but, but the truth is, and, and what's funny to me about that is I'm learning things about how I relate to people from how I relate to money at this yeah. point. It's like, whoa, you know, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was taking and taking from this, this friendship or this, this, you know, romantic relationship or whatever, you know, or, or I thought, you know, like we always justify those types of things or we, we think we're coming from a good place, mm -hmm. but when you really look at it, you start to see you and you can ask yourself, how am I showing up for money? To me, it's no longer a question of 
what are the things I need to do to make money? I mean, those come in on a practical level, but now it's more like, how do I need to show up with money? And what can I give? How can I share? How can I give back? And that could be, you know, in terms of money, it could literally be like helping someone on the street. Um, it could be, you know, buying a friend lunch or dinner. Um, you know, it could be, you know, sending a gift to somebody. But I also, when I take it out of the money realm, I look it into the, the more human realm, which is maybe I just look someone in the eye today when, you know, the, the, the cashier at the grocery store and I acknowledge them and that's a form of giving as well. And, and as I start to realize that, and I start to do that, I'm realizing that the idea of sharing and giving has nothing to do with money or with a thing or, or even your time. It's just energy. It's and like yeah, if you stems. want to receive uh, good things in life, you have to be good things. You have to give good things, you know? To me, it comes down to that that simple, you know, uh, matter. What we appreciate appreciates. And I think, you know what I mean? And that, I just wanted to bring up that that quote because I think that really lands in this realm of it's not actually striving to go get more. It's actually appreciating what we have. And that's not just to feel good. Like it actually will lead to more. Like what we appreciate, appreciates. Um, yeah. I think and, it's, that, that quote is so simple and, and it just points to it. It's, it's you know, um, it's this idea that when you become more aware of your relationship with money, that you even have a relationship with money. And then you start paying attention to, what is my relationship? How am I showing up? And then you take it to the next level, which is uh, you showing more appreciation. And and I'm not sitting here saying, you know, gratitude list that you read off every morning or anything. I mean, you can do that. But it's more along the lines of, you know, when I'm pumping gas at this point, not only do I not say like, oh, I can't believe how expensive it is. I'm also thinking to myself like, oh, it's pretty cool that I can afford this. And that might be it. I might not even say the word gratitude or, yeah. or like that. And I'll have these moments where it just shows up. And as you pointed out, like what you focus your energy on, what you put time and energy into is going to grow. If you're in that relationship with that person and you're putting time and energy into it, guess what happens? It blossoms. It's beautiful. If you put energy into you, you blossom. It's amazing. If you put energy into the money or anything else, same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so before, so we'll, we'll jump back in next Monday and kind of maybe go over some of, um, some maybe more intricate details in all of it. Um, but I really just wanted to lay a, a foundation, um, of what this is, what led to all of this, why, a couple of guys like me and you are sitting here talking about money, maybe not the most, um, I don't know, the most expected thing from someone like me and you. Um, so I yeah, thank you know, we, we're both DJs. We both, we're both creatives. We are gig workers. Um, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of like being in the service industry. I mean, 
there's we're normal people and what i mean yeah. by that is we relate to the way that we relate to money is very common to the way that everyone else relates to money and in my experience that relationship is has not been working so that's what led me to start figuring some things out as a dj as a photographer um, as someone who doesn't know when their next check is coming in, as someone who goes very long, can go very long periods of time without getting paid, you have to be able to navigate. And to me, the most important thing in all of this that we didn't mention, and we can talk about at another time, is especially from a, a creative standpoint, if if you're in survival mode, you can't create. Like they don't exist at the same time. They can't exist. If you're, if you were, you know, uh, down by the river and the proverbial tiger is, is about to chase you or a bear is going to eat you, your fight or flight kicks in. You don't have time to be creative. Like you're there to survive. We in this day and age are constantly in survival mode at a biological level. We, we breathe shallow, we are quick paced, we're totally distracted and all these things result in a lack of creativity because they can't exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. When you start to acknowledge your relationship with money and then you start to put time and energy into your relationship to money, guess what happens? You start to relax, you stress less, you become more creative. And in my opinion, the more people on this planet that we have that are in touch with their own creativity, and you can be a lawyer and be creative. You can be anything and be creative. But if you're tapping into that and you've moved out of survival mode, well, then we're gonna be living in a very different place. That's my real goal with this. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love, I love that abundance i just want to reiterate um it is it is the feeling that we're that we're really discussing here it's the frequency um because i think maybe some people look at that word abundance and think about it means a lot yeah. um but it's actually when we talk about these words abundance and lack i just want to point out that these are feelings that we're talking about um, we can feel still in abundant, even when our environment are lacking things that maybe we desire on a human level. Um, and that I think is the the stage that we can all strive to get to no matter the relationship with money, no matter the number in the bank account, no matter how we choose to spend it, what we choose to spend it on. It's just more of that. It's a feeling. It's a frequency of being at peace at the end of the day with this human life and all that it entails, which unless we are willing to, you know, completely go and just meditate in a cave for the rest of our lives, it's like, it is something that not only should we be addressing, but like, why not treat it as a friend? Like it is there and it will be there. We live in a society where it's not going anywhere. Like it's a part of this human existence. So we might as well relate to it in a way that's healthy for both us and for the the energy itself, and I think it, it, the benevolence of the world in the end, because I think, like you said, the more we get in touch with ourselves in the process and our relationship to money, it'll actually stem these lessons in our relationships with people and maybe our relationship with nature and our relationship with 
just energy in general, which, you know, we're dealing with all the time. We're alchemizing life as it is right now. So thank you, Lucas, just for taking the time to, I know I was like, today's going to be quick. I'm just going to like quickly introduce <laughs> you, give our listeners a little taste of Lucas. But as I mean, yeah, I just, it's <laughs> Maybe so that easy. was a little taste of Lucas. Yeah. I'm like, it's much longer. Little did you guys know Lucas is the most flavorful human in the world. That's a little <laughs> taste of Lucas for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. But yeah, I'm excited to to continue this series and it's something just different. And I think Sunday Cafe, it really represents something bigger than one thing. It's not music. It's not by any means Kebby or DJs or this or that. It's it's life. It's really just an expression of life and relating to it in an authentic way. Um, and yeah, you being willing to come on and talk about a topic that so many people may even feel some angst um, even hearing about, let alone really diving into it um, themselves. I think it takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability and strength. So just thank you for showing up for me as a friend and for now the podcast and for anyone who's out there listening. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, providing the space, uh, you know, and we'll get into this in other sessions, how absolutely stoked I am to see you creating this and creating this platform in this space. In my experience, there's so much uh, garbage out there, especially in the space of media and information. And so the fact that you're creating a platform where we could put something uh, that could be very helpful and uh, meaningful to even just a couple people, that would be mm. amazing. So so thank you for having me yeah. on. And ourselves at the end of the day. Like we said, even if no one listens to this ever, like we do this regardless. So yeah. I have- I, I grow from these conversations tremendously. I know you do as well. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's what you could look forward to with Money Mondays is- like I said earlier, we're not really jumping into a lot of practical stuff and investment advice and things like that. And no advice, really. We're just getting some of this out there. We're going to discuss how you relate to money and what that looks like, what that feels like. And the purpose of that is, I think, one of the most detrimental thought processes that has been handed down from generation to generation is this idea that it's not polite to talk about money. I personally think that that thought has suppressed us and kept us from our true creativity. And I think that the more we talk about it, the more th things come out in the open and the better and more familiar you become with things because money's not this, it doesn't need to be this big, scary thing. It's like, I think of like Voldemort, like, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that word. <laughs> Exactly. Which uh, that's a I legendary only, dark creature. Yeah, I only recently watched Harry Potter in the last year, so luckily I know what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, I'm, um, so yeah, I'm so happy. But yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to continue the journey next Monday. In the meantime, um, should people maybe check out the big split? Is the website up and available for people to really dive into at this point, or is that no, something? No. I appreciate that. You you absolutely can. The big split with Lucas.com if you'd and so, like. And uh, the big split is actually when we were talking about this technique for a lot of this episode, 
that is the name of this technique that Lucas and I were referring to earlier that I've implemented into my life that he kind of came up with. And that was the journey. And that's the name of it, the big split. Um, so it, yeah, is there, a, do you want to point people towards that direction in the meantime? Yeah. yeah. yeah so, so thank you. Uh, the big split with Lucas.com, uh, is where you can find that. Um, I will say that, uh, it's February 14th, 2023. I'm not fully live until April 15th, but it is up and available and it's free right now. I'm more than happy. I'm, oh. I'm looking for more beta testers. Um, so if anyone does hear this and they want to check it out, just shoot me an email. You can do that right through the website and I'll set you up with an account. I'd love for you to take it. If you have friends, family as well, that could benefit, uh, again, free. So yeah, please check it out. If, if you're, uh, if you're inclined. Hell yeah. And it's not just a class. There's actually like a whole community vibe that goes with it. Um, so it's not just one of these, uh, I don't know, teach it and forget all about it type of things. We really are trying to um, come up with a more community vibe here around some of these topics that aren't normally maybe so talked about. <laughs> right. And and yeah, my goal with the community feature, and it's a private community, it's, it's mm -hmm. not on Facebook or anything, um, is to normalize talking about money. And while we're still in the beta phase right now, and you know, some people that have tested it, uh, don't feel super comfortable. I think that's pretty normal, mm -hmm. but I think the eventual goal here is to have a vibrant community where people are talking like this in there and maybe even connect with each other and mm -hmm. can take that into private chats and all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, the more cool. we talk about this, the more free we become. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling pretty free even at the end of just this conversation alone. So thank you again. I'll put the, in the show notes, um, the link to the website as well as, um, Lucas's contact information and yeah, we'll be back next Monday for another episode of money Mondays with Lucas. Thanks so Thanks. much for listening.